Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the B2B Content Show. I'm Jeremy Fear. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a digital content agency that helps you create a month's worth of content in just 60 minutes. So in our age of remote everything, the elevator pitch kind of sounds like a bit of an anachronism. I mean, when's the last time that you actually pitched an idea or anything in an elevator? But the, of course, the concept is still relevant and very important, right? If you're in marketing, if you're in sales, then you know that you need to be able to explain your offer, you know, what you do in a way that's really clear and succinct and compelling, and to do it in really like 30 seconds or less, basically. Now, you know, crafting a great elevator pitch, it's not exactly like quantum theory, but it's, it can be surprisingly difficult to do to like hone your message down to just that 30 seconds. And in fact, according to my guest today, a lot of companies struggle with that, struggle to explain exactly what it is they do and why it matters, especially to non-experts and especially if you're dealing with like tech. So my guest today is Jari Jari Bolander. And Jari is many things. He's head of market strategy at Decision Council. He's the author of several books, including Story Driven Outreach, and he's host of his own podcast called the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. So, Jari, welcome to the show. Ah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here and talk about stories and elevator pitches and, you know, all the all the fun stuff that we had talked about uh, a little bit before. It's gonna be, yeah, gonna be indeed, super fun. because... Yeah. Uh, you know, you're you're an expert on B2B storytelling, and really an mm-hmm. elevator pitch is like a very short story, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of essentially what it is. And, you know, I know sometimes people think like, well, the, the less you have to write, let's say, the easier it is, right? Yeah, I'd much rather write, you know, I used to teach. I used to mm-hmm. teach writing. And right. students would always be like, well, I'd, of course, I'd much rather write, you know, 200 words than like an eight-page paper or something. I'm like... Mm, be careful what you wish for. I, it's actually much more difficult to be very concise than it is to, you know, have more space to kind of go on and on. So when it comes to the elevator pitch, in your opinion, what's like the number one thing that founders and, and even a lot of marketers, let's say, don't really understand about crafting a really strong pitch? Yeah, they, uh, they tend to put too much into it that 30 second, 10 second elevator pitch turns, turns out, comes out around a minute, minute and a half and they can't really edit it down. So I hear this all the time. Well, it's complicated what we do. It's going to take me longer than 10 seconds to explain it. And I'm like, well, then you probably don't understand it because what I've found to your point, and I think it was actually Mark Twain that said, I would have written you a shorter letter if I had more time. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what he was who said it because writing short and brevity takes way more thought than it is to just write, you know, an eight page paper. Right. I mean, that's do that all day because you've got time to craft and for the the thing to breathe. The, but yeah, I I think it's, it's, it's the fear that they're going to miss out or miss something. It's the fear that they're not going to be able to explain Mm. it in the amount of time they have. And I think part of that fear just because comes from, there's not experience with it. I mean, when you have to write stories all day and you have different various 
flakes that you have to adhere to, uh, you get really good at like boiling it down to clear, concise, and compelling so that someone will say, oh, tell me more about that. that that's all you're trying to get at with an elevator pitch. It's not some dissertation, you know, it's like, tell me more. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah tell me more about that. And then that's the invitation. And I think that's what people miss. Mm. Okay. So that's, that's a really interesting point. And, and I just want to go back to something you said before that part of the problem here is that like a founder or, you know, a marketer, just, they, they feel like, well, we're not, we need to include everything that's cool and awesome about who we are and what we do. And if we leave anything out, it might, you know, what if it's that one thing we left out that was going to make the difference, right? Like there's this like compulsion just to try to cram everything in. Yeah. And really, if I'm hearing you right, you're saying like, that's not really what an elevator pitch is for. It's no. as you just put it, I think, it, it, and put it well, it's to tweak people's interest enough to get them to say, oh, that's, I want to learn more about that. Yeah. It's like right? a joke. It's like a joke. It's the okay. setup to the joke, hmm. right? You know, you set the joke up and then you're waiting for the punchline, you know, like it's the setup to get the interest. It's the setup to explore the conversation. And I think the people that do this the best, the ones that have really great elevator pitches are the ones that understand that, that it's just the start. It's like, how do I hook you in to talk about what I want to talk about? And primarily you want to give people the permission or more importantly, People need to give you the permission to actually tell them the longer story. Yeah. I think that's the other thing that, that people don't miss. It's or they miss. It's like, no, no, this is a tran transaction's a bad word. It's a conversation, right? Yeah. And I should get permission to tell my story. You know, it seems weird, but once you've sort of done that, you're like, okay. Now you can explore and expand and do all the you know, talk about all the great things you do. Right. Okay. And, you know, maybe it's sort of, it's like understanding too, that when you're in the proverbial elevator, right. And someone asks you like, yeah. so what do you do? Or, you know, your company, what, what are you guys about? They, they're not actually literally asking you for the, your entire mm -hmm. history or everything you do. They want the gist of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And ideally the, the gist delivered in a way that's like interesting enough so that it makes like it was worth their their asking about it right so yeah. you kind of like yeah. like you want you want to deliver on their question in a way like like you said before that makes them want to be like oh cool like how, what is that like how do you do that yeah. or what yeah. does that mean or tell me more right yeah. so yeah so like you're it, it's like when if it's like when people ask you like so how are you they're exactly. not they don't actually want like a whole list of everything that happened to you, you know, like r really they just want like, Oh, I'm doing fine. Or like, Oh, I'm okay. You know, it's just kind of a, like a thing that people say, right. And yeah, you have yeah. just a very limited amount of time to respond in a way that's not going to bore the pants off people. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I also think of it as a pickup line too, you know, mm -hmm. like the best pickup lines are, novel interesting and like spark a smile like you know so if you want to think about it like if you know if you're dating any trying to date anyone you know you don't go up and like completely like oh my whole life story that's not that's yeah. immediate no that's a whatever swipe left swipe right whatever the kids <laughs> right. do these days right right but a good line a good hook a good pickup a good like icebreaker it, it, i always think of it as the icebreaker it's it's the business equivalent of the icebreaker question 
And it's very powerful because when done right, people really respect that. And they also, you get more out of it if, if you get permission, again, to tell your story, right? And I think a lot of folks miss that. And they don't spend enough time, I think, really crafting that, you know? Yeah. But that's important. I think that really just having that mindset of like, you don't have to explain every single thing. This is really just kind of the opening line mm-hmm. to get the invitation to say more. I think that mm-hmm. really helps. Like, I mean, in fact, I started off this episode as I do every episode with the little elevator pitch I came up with for, for Conversa, my business, you know, right. and it's simply we help you create a month's worth of content in 60 minutes. I mean, that's it. That's a brilliant, brilliant elevator pitch. Why? Intriguing. If I need that, oh, I'm interested and short and to the point and in words I can understand. So if I need to be able to generate, you know, uh, 60 days worth of content in an hour, now I have that need, I'm immediately know what it is. I immediately can, can, can get a resonant. And the other thing is, it's like, oh, hey. Why don't you tell me how do you do that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like exactly. Is, well, how, that's weird. Oh, oh, how, hey, Jeremy, how do you do that? <laughs> exactly. And that, like, when when I was trying to craft that or like messing around with a whole bunch of different ways to you know say something like that, yeah, I thought I when I hit on that one, I was like, oh, that's good because it begs a question. Well, how how, how is that even possible? How do you do that? Right. So if right. nothing else, you're a little curious, you know. And then, oh, well, you've asked me another question. Now I can expound a little bit where we've walked out of the elevator, let's say, and we're now lounging on the yeah, couches a, in the atrium or whatever, you know? Yeah. Having a, and now having we're a having coffee. a yeah, conversation, right? We're, yeah. We're, we're in, and I think that's the thing that, again, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't learn this overnight, right? I had to really like get a lot of painful <laughs> lessons on, especially coming from a tech, tech background where I always thought, best technology wins, you know, I'll just build the product. They will come. And yeah, no, actually the best story wins. And part of creating the best story is having that focal point, having the, the point of the arrow, right. Ha- having the, the hook, the, you know, the opening, the, the setup to the joke, like yeah. crafted in a way that expands what you can talk about. I mean, you know, we, we do this here at, you know, where I work now at Decision Council. I mean, you know, we're a B2B strategy, go-to-market sales, you know, sales enablement firm, like classic strategy stuff, really, really hardcore. And we're always thinking, okay, well, what, what's the big idea here? Like, what, why should I care? Like, what's the problem? What's the opportunity? How can I, in, in as few words as possible, explain this opportunity? And it's not because it's not. It, you know, we don't simplify it. We give it layers so that the opening is there, right? The opening for the conversation because most B2B sales marketing is about the relationship and the conversation. It's a interaction. It's not like, hey, go buy my widget because yeah. it's never the way it is with B2B because it's buying committee and the whole thing. So we, we really want to make those narratives, those big ideas, those elevator pitches, clear, concise, and compelling so that people can repeat them. People can kind of feel like people are busy, right? Like they're completely yeah. inundated with stuff. They're, 
they're not going to remember. Even the smartest person in the room, they're really not going to remember boring stuff, right? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, remembering things has probably nothing to do with being smart or dumb or whatever. Like, if it's boring, you won't remember it. Well, and if you're saturated too, right? Let's, you know, yeah. like, how many emails do you get a day? How many, yeah. <laughs> like, how many cold pitches, you know, how many, it, it's, it's, it's really, I think in the day and age we have now, especially if we're AI and all this generated content is going to be the differentiator. It's going to be how compelling yeah. your story is and how consistent you are with it. Yeah. And, you know, I think if, if you, if, if you think about the things you tend to remember either in a given day or a week or whatever, it's things that maybe made you laugh or that really bothered you, you know, or made you very curious or it, it touches your emotions. In other words, right? Exactly. You, you nailed it. It's the emotional appeal. If something, if the words, the imagery makes you feel like some, even if it's disgust or joy or happiness or curiosity, that's a trigger for your memory to be like, that's important. That seems to be how our brains work, right? That's yeah. what we tend to remember as opposed mm -hmm. to facts, like a list of facts. We don't Correct. remember that. Right. There's a great, oh. great saying in the nonprofit world. It's stats raise eyebrows, stories raise money. Mm. And I like that. Hundred percent true. Yeah. Anytime you ever go to, if you ever go to any of these, like galas, you know, nonprofit galas, just look. The constant storytelling about the impact and the volunteers. Your money makes a difference. Statistics, yeah, we reach three hundred thousand people or whatever. But it's the stories that raise the money, and and you just see that. And that's the same thing with the, any any kind of marketing is persuasion, right? So yeah. That the, you know, B2B marketing is the same as B2C marketing. It's just, just different customers. It's not. Yeah. And they're people. They're people. Right? right. We all have the same kind of brains and they all work the same way. So, so, so back to the elevator pitch, right? Mm -hmm. the, the kind of, as I said before, an elevator pitch is like a very short story. Mm -hmm. and, the sh and, and really the shorter the story, the harder it can be to craft. So, in your in your experience, what goes into like how do you how do you start with just a bunch of random ideas and information and data points? How do you how do you take all that and boil it down into like a really awesome elevator pitch? Like, what's the process? Yeah, so um, you know, I, I wrote this book, Story Driven Outreach, another one called Story Driven Decks, and the whole premise behind it is the best story wins, and the other thing to remember about storytelling is, is that, you know, you and I are speaking on Riverside today because our ancestors told the best stories. So we are hardwired to remember a good story, especially if it has three components. First component is it has to evoke emotion. Usually that's the beginning hook. That's the emotional appeal, right? So first and foremost, there has to get some emotion because story is about change. And the status quo to something, right? Yeah. Second thing is during the middle part of the story, there has to be a logical progression on how to either do something or it just has to make sense that you're eventually going to get to the end and pay off what you hooked. So for your example, your, your elevator pitch is create 30 days of content in 60 minutes. Okay. That has all three components, a beginning hook, a middle build, and an ending payoff, right? So beginning hook, like 
you know, how to create 30 days of content in 60 minutes. Okay. So hook content process, you know, that I need something, I need to create a lot of content and, and I'm going to do it in 60 or 60 minutes or, you know, an hour. And, oh, the, other, the last part of it is I've paid off what I needed to do. So now I'm curious, how do you do it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And so each part of those things, you know, every story has got a beginning, a middle and an end. And when it comes to persuasive stories, especially for an elevator pitch, um, it has to have three components that I talk about, which are why is this a big deal? What's the pain that it solves? And why is it unique? Right. And so your your stories, your pitch has got all three. Right. Yes. And the why is inherent in it, right? But because if I need content, which everyone does, and I, and my major pain is God it takes forever to do content. I hate it. And the unique thing about what you do is, oh, well, gosh, I could get thirty days of content in sixty minutes. Oh my gosh! Wow. How? <laughs> Tell me how. I'm curious now, right? And so. That's got all the, the components. It's got the pain. It's got the uniqueness. It's got the why. And that is the most important thing about these sort of short stories. And they're short. There really are short stories. They all have the arc, even though the words you may not have explicitly the context of what you're talking about has the why and the arc already in it because every marketer needs content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as you're describing this, kind of the, the components of the great pitch, well, it has to, you know, cover the pain point. It has to have this beginning. That all kind of out of context sounds like a lot to cram into like a single sentence, let's say, or something you can say in 10 seconds or 15 seconds. And, and in some ways it is, and that's what's so hard about it, right? Like I... All I all I really remember about coming up with the the elevator pitch that we've been talking about is, I mean, it, I really it took months and months and months to come to that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I sat down every day figuring it out or like trying different things. It just kind of popped into my mind. But that was after many months of just thinking in a kind of more general way about what I'm even doing or the yeah. idea, you know. Or it, it's almost like I. It just popped in. It's not like I, I, I almost feel like I didn't even create it. It was just there and I found it. You know yeah, the I mean? muse. You connected to the muse. <laughs> or something like that. Or like yeah. my, my subconscious mind was working yeah. on it. Yeah. And then something triggered it and it popped into consciousness. I'm like, oh, yeah. that, is that good? Like, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, works. and it took okay. you two to three months to like, because that's how long it takes to get a really good, clear, concise, and compelling elevator pitch because the the sub as the subconscious mind's working on it, the creativity you call it the muse the you know yeah. tapping into the to the muse or whatever what what's happening is since we love story we're hardwired it's in our dna that's how we make sense of the world so we have the narrative has to fit that's part of the reason why if you look at people that are sad, grieving, lost, trauma, it's because what they've experienced doesn't fit their narrative. And, and the reason why they go through 
therapy and trying to work through all this is because your brain needs the narrative to fit what you think your narrative is. And if it doesn't, you get all sorts of consternation. You get anxiety. Like it's really challenging. And this is a mm -hmm. proven kind of psychological reason why talk therapy, people go to talk therapy and other reasons because they're working through the narrative. Like I need to, this needs to make sense to me. So in your process, you're working through your narrative. You know, you've done all these things. You probably, you're, you know, the, if you were to describe what you did in a couple of sentences, it would be much longer, right? It'd be like, Hey, as marketers, we know we need to generate great content. Content is really hard to do right. Hey, I figured out a way to generate 30 days worth of content in 60 minutes. This is how I do it. And you're like, right? I'm sure something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know who it's for the marketer, it's for businesses, it could say B2B in it or whatever. And as you thought through it, you're like, kind of ruminating and synthesizing and, and what I call like solidifying it because there's a lot of context in those simple five or six words because you've built the context and who you're talking to. See, the other thing about a good elevator pitch is it doesn't resonate with everyone because mm, yeah. people that don't care about content are not going to care about your elevator. pitch. <laughs> They're going to be like, don't care content. What's that? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so there's a lot, and it's like, I guess, with any story, you're aiming it at a particular audience. And with any audience, you can make certain assumptions about mm -hmm. what they know and, and they don't know. Or actually, they shouldn't be assumptions, right? Ideally, especially if you're a marketer, you should know yeah. as much as possible what they know and, and don't know, how much you need to explain, how much you, you don't need to explain. And more importantly, and you said this before, you know, the pain point that you're really pricking at. And that's that, and, and that's that emotional part is baked in there. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, to my mind, I, I would think that's where it has to start. Right. Like if we're, if, if you do not have an elevator pitch and you need one and you're like, okay, step one, I would think, and you know, tell me, tell me if, if you think I'm right, I would think you start right there. Okay. What pain are we solving? Yeah. Can we articulate, do we even know what it is? Yeah. And if we do, what's the simplest possible way to articulate that? Yeah. That's, that's where I would begin. Yeah. Is, the, does that seem right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, when I, when I do with you know, my story driven approach, I, I call the elevator pitch, what's called the big idea, right? So I've got a format for it. And the three questions you have to ask is why are you unique? You know, what, I'm sorry. Why are you doing this? Like, why does it matter? Yeah. What pain, what pain are you solving? And then why are you uniquely qualified to solve the problem? So just three questions that will then formulate why you exist and et cetera. And that, yes, it's the, it's the starting point because for me, that's the tip of the arrow. Like literally, if that's not right, the rest of it's all horrible. Like, it's just not going to work because you need people to be able to repeat what you do, you need them to understand it quickly. And, you know, over time, you just need to be able to go boom, boom. Like it's like, how many times have you told that every podcast episode? I'm sure you say that same line, right? Yeah. You're like, over time, you're like, God, I'm so bored of this line. Oh, now, you, now it's starting to work. Because <laughs> you're right. literally like, yeah, like this, like, you know, story driven, right? Mine is products are democratized. The best story wins. Make sure you've got, you've got the best one. 
Yeah. Simple. Like, oh, what does that mean? Okay, now I can explain. Hey, I think stories are the most important thing because they're the ones that we repeat. We're, we're hardwired for stories. Great marketing is great storytelling. Great yeah. storytelling is about persuasion. Persuasion, marketing, boom. <laughs> not much, right? But it's it's hard. It's it's not easy, but it's so vital. It's so vital. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, then, I don't think there's there's no like magic formula for just follow these three steps and, and out the other side will come a perfect elevator pitch, right? Like I don't, it, it's, it's a process that at least in my experience, it it's hard. It takes time first of all, and you have to start somewhere and yeah. unless it's lightning in a bottle and boom, you just nail it on the first try. It's going to go through just sort of endless revisions and little tweaks until it's kind of honed down to what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And there's no way around that. There's, there's no real shortcut, you know, again, unless you just happen, like something pops into your mind and boom, there it is. But that's pretty rare. It's pretty it, rare. Yes. And usually if it pops into your mind, you've probably been thinking about it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> like yours, right? Like that was a pretty quick, like been thinking about it. Like, okay, yeah. Know. But I, but I guess the, like, there's all different ways to go about actually crafting the actual language of the pitch, mm-hmm. but you're right. It, it's what you're articulating helps because it gives you like the guidelines, the mm-hmm. pain point, the, how are we different? And like, what, you know, why, why are does we, this matter? Yeah, why, why does this matter? matter at all? And, like those three basic ingredients yeah. at, of, of different, and, and it's, and it's kind of like making a cake, like figuring out the right proportions and it's not like it's an art and a science right but there's definitely an art to it it's not like there's any one perfect way to do it no no i mean that's actually a really astute point part of the challenge of doing doing these sort of things is yes it's it's a lot of art to it and people don't know where to start and i think yeah having a framework on where to start is what generates those great ideas so like as you said the cake right yeah, you bake a cake this way, but I can add things and move things around and I can make it my own. So the process, the frameworks are meant to get you started so you get the creativity going so that you can hone it and make it your own. And that is the most important thing. You're totally right. There's no one size fits all, no one formula. Um, but I'm always a big fan of frameworks and methodologies to get you started. It's like writing a novel, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many books on how to write a novel. Tons. I've read a lot of them. Yeah. But the, but you know what? You've got to write the novel in order for it to come. To, I just won't. It's the way it is. It's, that's what writers do. They write, you know? So. Right. You just have to start somewhere and see huh? what happens. And, and of course, writers read a lot, right? And, and that's kind of how you learn the, just what a novel even is, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, like what you're even trying to do, kind of the rules of the genre. And so another, you know, I suppose another good exercise is to read a lot of elevator pitches, you know, or like value propositions. Although I think that can go both ways though. Like you can spend so much time with that that you can kind of lose your own spark of originality or even become like, find yourself kind of copying what other people are doing, you know? 
Well, and most of them are really bad. So I don't know if you really <laughs> want to copy bad ones. But I think that's the other thing about a framework. And, and one of the reasons I really like thought about this a little bit is like, okay, let's say you're going to study elevator pitches. Well, it would be great if you could like evaluate them mm. for your own. But like, oh, it's like when you diagram a sentence, right? Oh, this is the subject. This is the object. Da, 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 da. And so you now can look through and say, hey, why doesn't that work? Like, that's the thing that's powerful for me. Yeah. Does that work for me or not? And you're like, why? Ah, even if it's a bad one, you can be like, the reason why I don't like it, and it's your personal opinion too, is because it didn't tell me the pain right away. Or why did that unique? And like, why should I care about this? Or, you know, like the, all these little things, but to your point, I mean, it's a good one. You read too many of them, you may get jaded. But I think if you analyze them, if you read and like, oh, this is what I like, this is what I think is good. Where do I see that? Right. Yeah. You know, as a, as a teacher, you know, I'm sure it's like, it's, there's a certain, whoever reads, if, if you're a writer, like you do pull from other writers. Yeah the great thing about writing is like, that's a good book. Like, like objectively someone will say you need to read, you know, slaughterhouse fire because, <laughs> or you need to read pride and prejudice. If you're, if you're going to write a love story, you got to read pride and prejudice. Like everyone agrees. Not a lot of people agree. Like what's a good elevator pitch. That'd be great. If there's like, these are the best, like make it as best you can like this. Right. Right. Um, maybe we'll, maybe I'll work on something like that. Yeah. But, right. I mean, that actually, right, that's a good way to think about it, to just look at a whole bunch of examples, and you kind of have a gut reaction, like, oh, that's a good one. No, oh, I don't like that one. And yeah. then pause and be like, okay, what's good about it? What yeah. is making me think that that's good, or kind of pricking, you know, whatever it's pricking in my brain? And the ones I don't like, what's the problem here? What is it missing? Where does it turn me off? Where am I losing focus or interest, you know? To analyze it like that is probably very useful. And then you'll begin to see patterns over time. And then, yeah, when, and then that'll event, uh, inevitably kind of seep into your own creation, ideally. So, what's ultimately at stake here? You know, what's at stake? Like, what's the big problem if you don't have a very strong elevator pitch? Why is that a big deal? No one will say, tell me more. They'll just, go, oh, that's nice and walk on. <laughs> you know, if you have a bad pickup line, she's going to look at you or he's going to look at you and go, oh my God, you kidding? Yeah, you know, like you never even get to step up to the plate and take a swing, right? So what's at stake is just the next conversation, the next meeting. This is the same thing with cold email, you know, the story-driven outreach books about cold email and, you know, a good cold email gets results. A bad cold email gets marked as spam. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's important to get it right. It's not, it's, it's the first, in some cases, it's the first time someone is meeting you and talking about your company. It's that first impression is so powerful. If it's not a good one, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. You know, she's not going to give you her number. <laughs> He's not going to give her number. I mean, come off, and we've all been here. Like we've all yeah. been in this situation. We're meeting someone and just, God, that didn't go well. I should have been more prepared. Or I should have been more thoughtful. Or I was nervous. The other th important thing about having a great elevator pitch is 
the more you practice it, the more or the better you are at it. So when you are nervous and you're in a stressful situation, it's it's like it's your anchor. It's your go-to. Like I know this cold. Yeah. That way I can the nerves float away. It's like the opening line. And like I was, you know, I sometimes study like stand-up comics, right? Because you know, who doesn't love comedy? And I don't remember who said it. Maybe it was Jerry Seinfeld who said it. He's like the most important time for a comic is when he gets up and sit the first words to the crowd, the first words to the crowd. And he's like, 90% of comics waste the first words. Mm. Like, what does that mean? And he's like, instead of saying, hey, thanks for being a great, what a great town, like generic, like, oh, well, Seattle, yay, way to go. Like, they waste the opportunity. The audience at that particular point in time is the highest probability that they're going to laugh and they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt and that they don't know you. So therefore, they're optimistic that this is going to be funny. It's like saying, oh, this is a funny story. It's like, never say that. <laughs> I don't know. So, so this is why it's so important. It's the it's the first impression. It's the first the first things out of your mouth are going to be the highest impact and the highest probability of where is this going to go. And I always thought that was just so clever. I'm like, gosh, that's a great, great piece of advice. Never waste the opener. That's really, yeah, that's really interesting. Because at that moment, and I guess you could say the same for any audience, whether it's a cold email or a comedy show audience, like they're, they're kind of giving you the benefit of the doubt. Like if you've opened the email, you're kind of taking that like, okay, let's see what, what's here. And for a comedian, it's like, all right, what do you got? You know, make me laugh, funny man. And yeah, it's like the expect, you want to meet that expectation, but you only have kind of one shot. Mm -hmm. And if, if within the first couple seconds you blow it, then it can be hard to climb back out of that hole. And maybe you never do. Never do. Yeah. So don't waste the opener. Your elevator pitch is your opener. Like just don't yeah. waste the opener. And the more you practice it, the better you are at it, the more comfortable you are, the more you tweak it. Like, you know, some of these guys that do these Netflix specials, that come, again, back to comedians, you know, spend an entire year on 45 minutes, entire year crafting yeah. 45 minutes of content. Imagine, <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, and, and 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 I think the other thing that's interesting is we've all been the, in the reverse thing where someone's telling us about their business, their pitch or whatever. And just the next time someone gives you a pitch, just step back and like, how does this feel? Like, what am I feeling right now? Because yeah. that's exactly what the other people feel. Is it interesting? Is it not? And And you know what? You could even do this too. Let's say someone gives you a pitch and you don't like it. You could tell them, you know, I, I really like that. Yeah. Like, what are you really trying to say? And like, one, that'll surprise them, right? Two, like, you see, you see how the other thing that's interesting is like, you made, you did something so different and so unique that someone's going to, they will remember you. Like, you're the guy that asked me, how do I can improve my pitch or whatever it is? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's the curiosity that you have to have to these things, you know? Like you said, it's not, there's no formula. It's not perfect. Man, the more you talk about it, the more you get comfortable, you know? Yeah. You know, 
this takes me back to something we were talking about earlier that a really a really good pitch can spark curiosity right it's it's a tool to open up a conversation right and to that end like you you want one of the reasons you want it to be really short and succinct is really if you're if you're pitching the best pitch like the best pitches i've ever been I want to say subjected to, but that's not right. Because if it's a good pitch, it doesn't feel like you're subjected to it. But I think the best kind of sales situations that I've been in that have been mo most effective are where I'm actually doing most of the talking. The person selling me is just maybe asking some questions or, you know, if I ask questions, they're very succinct in their answers. And really, they just want, they get me talking more, you know? And the worst ones I've been involved in are the ones where the person selling or, you know, pitching goes on and on. And it's not even that it's not that I don't understand what they're saying or whatever. It's not even that I'm not interested. It's just, it's boring. You know, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get the gist. And now you're, you're but you're still talking. Like, how do you even know what I care about? You know, you're not. You don't seem that interested in what I have to say. And that's, you know, so maybe another way of putting it is like the best pitch is one that sparks curiosity and gets the person you're pitching to ask questions about it. Mm -hmm. Get them talking. And then that leads to more questions, right? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. in a way, maybe that's what it, you know, what you're sort of really going for. It's, uh, well, yeah. yeah, I think well, you're anyway. right. It's a great, that's, that's actually a good way to put it. I like that. Yeah. Well, God, I could go on and on about this topic. It's, <laughs> so it's, it's so interesting. Yeah. Like how, how do you just craft this little gem of a, of a, of a, you know, sentence anyway, I, I could go on and on, but we're going to have to wrap things up. So Jerry, what's the best way for people to connect with you? So you can go to getstorydriven.com. That's all this story stuff I've been working on the last six or seven years. I'm also on LinkedIn. It's Jerry Boland. Um, and yeah, then great talking. Like uh, this is stuff I just absolutely love to to discuss, and just so wonderful what you're doing. And and, and I think B two B marketing, especially content, sometimes it's so dry and blah, you know. But we need a little more energy in it. It needs to be more personal. It needs to have more emotion. And because the people we sell to are emotional beings, irrational, just like we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, I knew this was going to be a good conversation. I was really looking forward to it and, and I was not wrong. No, so thank, thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, yeah, an awesome conversation. That was super fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. That'll do it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can find the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. And as long as you're there, you might as well give us five stars and leave a comment about how much you love the show. The podcast is brought to you by Conversa. We are a digital content agency that helps you create a month's worth of really kick-ass content in just 60 minutes. Just 60 minutes. How is that possible? Well, check out our website to find out. That's Conversa with two N's, C-O-N-N-Versa.com. So thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate your support, and we'll see you next time.